Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Welcome. It's Thursday afternoon, fresh thinking time. So glad that you are tuned in and hopefully you're going to participate as well. I had a very interesting conversation earlier today on Twitter about radio shows and about what makes a good radio show and who the leaders, the doyens of the radio industry are. And it just struck me. It just struck me that I think I think Chai FM as a station has created, maybe I stand to be correct, but I think we've created a new brand of radio, which is you've heard of music radio, you've heard of talk radio. I think we have pioneered the world of text radio because uh, nobody has the guts to call in when we talk about big issues, but everybody is uh, happy to share a text message. That's great. I mean, it works perfectly. And uh, I suppose we're never going to stop you from phoning in. We just know that it's not that popular. Although I must say I've made some good friendships from the one or two brave people who have actually phoned in on this show. Anyhow, there's not a show about whether to text or to talk. Just thought that was an interesting con- uh, little uh, comment to throw out or an insight. It's warm out there. Make sure that you are hydrated and that your children especially are hydrated. I don't think it's as hot as everybody thought it was going to be, but it is hot. So make sure that you take care of everybody and take care of yourself. That you have to look after your health. So here's an opportunity to do it. Meanwhile, we are in studio till 3 o'clock. You are part of this process. You are part of the production. And the way to do that, obviously, is to get involved and to send messages. You can tweet. You can SMS. You can WhatsApp. Whatever you feel is your preferred mode of communication. For those people who don't know, so Twitter always very fam- very popular on this show. So you start tweeting at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish if you prefer. You can also WhatsApp 0618951019 or you could SMS 34519. Now earlier this week, a person who I've always known of just simply because his name appears on the front covers of many comic books. And like many kids, I did grow up on those comic books. Stan Lee. I had no idea that he was, what, 95 years old. I think it's pretty good for a guy who's creating superheroes. So uh, he passed away earlier this year, this week. And, of course, many people talking about it and the Marvel franchise and some of the iconic figures of children's imagination and adulation. And while I didn't expect to spend the show in tribute to Stan Lee, but I did come across a quotation of his, which I did want to share with you, because it just got me thinking about all kinds of things. And it's an honest statement. I think many people will agree that it's an honest statement. I think that's certainly some of the feedback that I've had from people just talking about this. So I want to share the statement with you, and I'd like to hear what it is that you think. It's when Stan Lee was asked about belief in God. So somebody asked him directly if he believed in God, and he said, well, let me put it this way. And then the quotation says that he pauses for a moment and says, no, I'm not going to try to be clever. I really don't know. I just don't know. And I wonder if that's something that resonates with you. If somebody had to ask you, do you believe in God? Would you have a different answer? And if so, what would your answer be? And I suppose in context of his answer, what do you think 
he means. What do you think of that answer? I don't know. I really don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts and engagement. I think it's a big topic that will touch a lot of the fundamentals of who we are and what we believe. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. I think it's interesting because what happens is the minute a person is well-known in society, perhaps even a celebrity, I suppose we look at their opinions with just a little bit more of a magnifying glass. So... I didn't ever think, let's be honest, I highly doubt you did either. I didn't ever think of Stan Lee as being a representative of Torah. I don't think he presented himself in that way. So it's not a surprise, I suppose, to have somebody have an agnostic version of what Judaism is all about or belief in God. But that's not the point. It's not here. I don't in any way, shape or form mean to judge him. It's just a question. Just really a question. Here's a man who was asked the question, what, do you believe in God? And his response was, I'm not going to be clever. I'm not going to try to be clever about it. I'm just, I don't know. I really don't know. So I'm curious, if you were stopped in whatever context, if you were stopped on the street, if you were sitting next to somebody on an airplane, if you were interviewed by a media outlet, a pop quiz on the side of the road, I don't know, people, you know, Vox Pop, what do they call them? And a, and a person came over to you and asked you a question, what do you believe about God? Do you believe in God? So I suppose there's two sides to the question. The first is, how much hesitation would you require? That's what I like about this quote. He's about to give an answer, and then they say in brackets, pauses. In other words, it sounds almost as if he was about to give a glib response, and then he hangs in for a second and thinks um, why it is, or what it is that he really thinks about it. And I think w- maybe we would do the same, or, or maybe you would do the same. I don't know. It's just something to think about. Would you, would you shoot off an answer immediately? And do you have? Do you have a ready answer? And, and not, a, not a glib answer, not a, an answer that is made for the public, made for the media, an answer that you really resonate with and that you really believe. And, and then what do you think? What do you think of that response where a person says, I don't know, I really don't know? Because I think it opens another series of questions, the question of whether or not a person can know, right? Interesting question, I suppose. Can you ever know? I think that's why we speak about faith. And is there an expectation? Let's talk about that. Is there an expectation within Judaism that we should know that God exists? Or are we just expected to believe? So I think there are many spin-offs from this particular quotation. And while it was probably not the most popular quotation of Stan Lee, certainly not something that he was going to be known for, perhaps known in the Jewish world better for one or two of his possibly Jewish comic characters, um, and let's see, quick general knowledge quiz for you, which of his comic characters were in fact Jewish. I'll just throw that out there as a little bit of a sidebar, if anybody knows which of the Marvel comic characters created by Stan Lee were actually Jewish in their uh, in, in the particular role. Just curious if you happen to know that. But coming back, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting. I think it definitely is something we should reflect on because it does open the gateways to a whole series of different questions and different perspectives, which are always very good, especially when it comes to issues of faith. And the 
temptation, I suppose, that people often have to be very dogmatic when it comes to issues of faith. You've got to be very, very careful about that and try not to be overly dogmatic and certainly not judgmental of people who have a different perspective. And I think that there might be those who have a knee-jerk reaction and say, well, there you go. What did you expect? This is not somebody who's an observant Jew, so obviously he has his doubts. Well, I don't know. There might be many people out there who are observant and orthodox and the rest of it and also have their doubts. I heard a quotation once. And I think it's very appropriate for this particular conversation. And uh, I'll share it with you soon just because somebody's made a comment. And I'd rather share that comment with you first before this particular quotation. So here's Fred. Fred says, let's face it. When God chooses to hide, nobody is better at it than him. So I suppose that that's talking a little bit more philosophically, right? If a person has doubt as to whether God exists or not, you could very clearly argue, and it would be a solid Jewish argument, certainly part of Jewish thinking, to say, well, that's the intention. You know, when you, we use in Jewish literature, we use different names of God to represent different attributes. And for example, the name Elohim, which is the name used in the entire narrative of creation and various times throughout biblical literature, is the name of concealment. Because we believe very strongly that in order to facilitate free choice and the capacity for human beings to achieve independently, God has to hide himself and naturally if it's not obvious and if it's not visible then it's definitely possible for a person to have their doubts much like I suppose various concepts that are difficult to prove empirically and people may have their doubts whether those doubts are founded in logic or not is not really relevant but the point is if you don't see it in front of your eyes if you can't touch it, if you don't experience it through your five senses then it's quite nice, it's quite likely I should say, that a person will have their doubts. So that's Fred's perspective and I think basically what he's saying is it's not unusual, it's unusual for people to have that question, I'm not sure I'm not sure about God because they don't see it in front of their faces. Reminds me a little bit of the story it's I don't know if it's a story that really happened or if it's just one of those anecdotes that is supposed to reflect the prevalent attitude of Jewish people living behind the Iron Curtain. But the story goes about the classic communist teacher in class who gets up and gives a lecture about how there is no God. Obviously, bearing in mind that communism in the Russian experience was violently opposed to the belief in God and did a lot to try and stamp it out, particularly in the Jewish community. And we know this from first-hand accounts of how people were imprisoned and sent to Siberia on a one-way ticket and people had disappeared without a trace. So the education system was designed to uproot the thought that there might be a creator. So the story goes that he has the teaching giving the whole lecture. There is no God, cannot be a God, it's not possible. And this one kid, this Jewish kid is in the class and he's just not buying it. He was brought up that there is a God and we believe in God and there's a moral compass designed by God and there's a certain value system you have to subscribe to which God has ordained. And, and this kid's just not having any of it. And there, there's this tension that builds between the teacher and the student. I don't know how young the student was, but the implication is that he was probably in the primary school age still. And eventually the teacher in exasperation says to the kid, he says, look, can you see God? And the whole class resoundingly replies, no. And so the teacher says, well, then how can you know that God exists if you cannot see God? And the child, obviously quite smart and with a healthy dose of chutzpah, shoots his hand into the air and he says, and let me ask the class, can anybody here see the teacher's brain? 
So not always what you can see is the measuring stick of what you know exists, but, but that is how we are. You know, we like things to be tangible. We like to be able to have some kind of evidence. We like to know and that's probably one of our Achilles heels is the urge to know. We don't like things to be mysterious. We don't like things to be question marks. We don't like things to be in doubt. The Talmud uses the expression that there's no greater joy than the alleviation of a doubt. That just shows you how deep it is within the human psyche not to like, not to enjoy something which doesn't make sense, which is unresolved, which is unclear. And specifically when it comes to God, there's a huge question mark for everybody because ultimately, no matter how strong your faith is, nobody can say with absolute certainty, I know exactly how it is. That might just be a little bit of a uh, an arrogant position, if not a ridiculous position. Here's Rene who says, that God has been hiding for too long now and we have grown tired. Reminds me a little bit of a story that they say there was this group of children who were playing hide and seek. And eventually the one child is crying and an adult goes over to him and says, why are you crying? He says, well, I think it was Revlev Yitzchak Abadichev, but I could be I could be wrong on that. He says, why are you crying? He says, because I hid. We were playing hide and seek and I had such a good hiding place that now my friends have stopped looking for me. And Rebbe Yitzchak Abadichev, I believe it was, says, turns his eyes heavenward and exactly along the lines of what Rene has said, God, you've done such a good job of hiding. I'm afraid that perhaps your people have stopped looking. Your thoughts about whether or not you could know that God exists. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. You do know that one of the most powerful words in the general Jewish dictionary is only two letters long, and it's the word new. So new, if somebody had to ask you the question, do you believe in God? What would your response be? So I'm just borrowing Stan Lee's response because I came across it this week because he passed away this week. And his response, as uh, who said over here, somebody's just replied that that was an honest response. Uh, there you go, Lance. Lance is a truthful answer. That it, it was. It was an honest response. That he gave, I don't know. I just don't know. So how would you respond? Three, four, five, one, nine. I'd love to hear your opinions. Send an SMS or you could also WhatsApp on 0618951019. Or you could tweet, as many of you love to do. You can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. So we're talking about God. And we're talking about belief in God. We're talking about knowing God. I'll tell you an interesting thing that I was just on the way here. I was listening to a lecture, and that's one of the wonderful things about living in the 21st century, is that you can download so much spiritual content that and meaningful content that I don't think you'll ever exhaust it. I really don't. There are literally hundreds of thousands of hours of content online, Jewish content. And uh, I love it. You sit in the car listening to Jewish content. So I was listening to a particular lecture where a person quoted Rabbeinu Bechaya, who was an early medieval um, sage. And he wrote a book called Choyva Salavavos, Duties of the Heart, which is a, a work of philosophy and an examination of what we're supposed to feel and believe as Jewish people. And what was fascinating in this particular talk, he, he quotes a, a very interesting part of the conversation where Rabbeinu Bechaya says that if a person were to ask, where is God, then the answer, I don't remember the exact wording, 
that he used because I didn't see it in the text. But essentially the answer was, where is God is not going to be answered with a geographical answer. It's going to be answered with a mental state answer. In other words, where is God is going to have a lot to do with your mental state. So I think that's what we're discussing over here today. Where is God in relation to you? If we talk about, do you know that there is a God? Well, you're not going to be able to prove that by saying, there is a God and he lives at this address. It's going to have a lot to do with your state of mind, how you perceive yourself, how you perceive the world, how you perceive purpose, and most importantly, your understanding of God, which brings me to that quotation I was going to give you a little bit earlier. I don't remember where I heard it, but I think it's a great quotation. A person says to the rabbi, Rabbi, I don't believe in God. And the rabbi says, And I resonate very strongly with this. The God that you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. So a lot of it has to do with our perception, right? It has to do with our understanding. Here's Cynthia on WhatsApp who says, Know for sure that God exists and not through a charmed life, but strangely through a difficult, unusual one full of ironies. I think that's very profound because very often there's an expectation that people have. I wouldn't say that it's all people, but there are certain people who have an expectation that they will grow their awareness of God through the feeling of his presence in their lives, and they translate that to mean good things. So if good things happen to me, then I know that there is God and that is close. And if bad things happen to me, then I feel abandoned or perhaps there is no God. And I think recently, I did mention this last week on the show, but I think recently after the attack in Pittsburgh, there were many people who turned around and used exactly that expression. Well, if there is a God, how does something like this happen? So it's it's intriguing, and I think it's very profound when you hear somebody like Cynthia saying, I know that God exists, and strangely, through a difficult experience of life, not necessarily through an easy experience of life. I think, I think that's something to reflect on, something to think about. Here's another WhatsApp um, from Rene, follow up to the previous WhatsApp about God hiding for too long and we're getting tired of it. So Rene says, I will know God exists when I see his revealed miracles. Isn't that interesting? The juxtap- and literally, if I tell you, these two WhatsApps must have arrived, Tabo will agree with me, they must have arrived within a few seconds of each other. <laughs> and that's what's fascinating about it. Two totally different perspectives. Here's the person saying, I will know that God exists when I see open miracles. And, and literally, seconds before that, a WhatsApp of somebody saying, I know that God exists in spite of the fact that it's been difficult. Isn't that amazing? And I think that, that goes back to this quotation from Rabbeinu Bechaya, that God is not to be found in a particular place or in a particular experience. God is really to be found in a state of mind and a particular insight and an understanding that a person has. So that is really, really interesting. I think we could expand a little bit more on that. Maybe you have an experience about that too that you might want to share. Do you feel do you feel that awareness or knowledge of God for you is stronger or more palpable when things are going right or when things are falling apart? One thing we all know is when things fall ap- apart, like the old cliche, there's no atheist in a foxhole. We know that when things fall apart, that's when people run to the, in case of emergency, break box, break glass, you know, come running into into the shul or prayer or some kind of a, an experience of connection. So it is interesting. There's there's certainly an irony that runs over here between people who feel if God would, then I'd believe in Him. You know, if it if it helped me, if it sort out my financial woes, if it fixed my health, if it be more revealed in my life, if I'd have greater consciousness, then I would be. I would definitely believe in him. And then the people who say, listen, I don't know if I believe in God, but right now I'm going through a stressful time, so he's going to be my address. 
it's really interesting. And then, of course, people who, who actually find God, and I think it's very profound, find God in difficulty rather than only in the rosy times. Very, very insightful. So there's quite a lot to talk about, I suppose. This is stuff that sits at the very essence of our experience of being Jewish because we're talking about God. And if you are to be Jewish and to live as a Jewish person, God has to play a role in that. I do know that there's some people who claim to be just culturally Jewish. Maybe just gastronomically Jewish, but the real deal has to have God front and center. And so that, that's why I think it's an interesting thing to discuss. And what I find most interesting about it is that every Jewish person has an opinion about God, regardless of whether it's a positive or negative, a believing or a challenging perspective. But everybody's got a view. Everybody's got an insight. Everybody's got an opinion. And so that's why I think that this particular quotation from Stanley is so on the money, not just simply from the perspective that, you know, to say, I don't know about God, which is something I'd like to talk about. I don't know if God exists. Let's talk about that. But just the very fact that it should come up as one of the things that he is known for, not necessarily his most famous, but certainly something that he is known for. I think it says a lot. I think it's just so much part of the Jewish experience. So if you've got an insight on that, I would really love to hear it. Uh, I think the, the, the two opposing views of two WhatsApps side by side is fascinating. It says a lot about how we think. So your thoughts on 34519 if you're going to send an SMS. Otherwise, WhatsApp 0618951019 or tweet at Chai FM. Tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. If you've got a real long insight to share with us, you can send an email on air at chaifm.com. Here's a WhatsApp. It's a pity that it's unsigned because it's a nice message. So here's a WhatsApp that says, let's look at ourselves. Are we not a miracle of a creator? Creator in capital letters. So is that not the best place to start? Just look at ourselves. We take it for granted. The fact you wake up in the morning, the fact that all the systems work, the things that are supposed to go into the body go in, the things that are supposed to get out, get out, the the fact that your body absorbs the nutrients that it needs to absorb, the fact that you have all those layers of protection in the form of skin and hairs and and the fact that you can see, et cetera. The incredible, incredible complexity of the human brain, the trillions of cells that make up who we are. Yes, I definitely agree. That's what's a pity that it's an unsigned WhatsApp because it's a great insight. Surely when we look at ourselves, that gives a great insight into the miracle of a creator. So what's the question? I anticipate that there are going to be people out there who say, no, it's just an it's the result of some universal cosmological explosion and it's all by chance and the, the right pieces fell into the right places and that's why we're here. Personally, I have an extremely difficult time accepting that. But, you know, in the scientific world, there are many people who feel that that is plausible. And we'll leave that, I suppose, for another occasion. So if you've just tuned in, you're with Rabbi Shishlet's Fresh Thinking, as it is every Thursday at this time, talking today about... Stan Lee, although I'm just using him as an introduction to the topic. I liked his line, so I thought it would be a great place for us to start. His line being he was asked, do you believe in God? And he was like, I'm not going to try and be too clever about this. I just don't know. So that raises for me the question, how would you have answered that question? How do you feel about it? Don't be shy. You can send an anonymous SMS on 34519. You can send an anonymous WhatsApp, which seems to be quite popular, on 0618951019. Or you can send a tweet that won't be anonymous. Anonymous at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish. What do you think? If somebody had to stop you and ask you the question, do you believe in God? How would you respond and how easy would it be for you to respond?
billions of people. Walking, talking, sleeping, thinking, dreaming, breathing, crying, crawling, yawning, smiling, running, laughing, shouting. Billions of people living. Billions of people listening. 101.9 High FM, your radio station of choice since 2008. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So, I guess that uh, we could leave this hanging and frustrate everybody. Or we could look into it a little bit deeper because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Of course... Any time that you throw out a question that's deep, meaningful, and philosophical, you will always have, and this is one of the beautiful silver linings of the Jewish community, you'll always have somebody who has the more tongue-in-cheek, light-hearted approach. He has Neville who says, one's dependence on God can become clouded when you're surrounded by superheroes all day long. I think it's cute. And I wonder then if it's maybe a little deeper than just cute. Maybe that's an insight. Maybe when you are living in a more primitive environment where you rely completely on the rain for your produce to grow and you're much more exposed to the elements, maybe you're more aware of God than we are in our over-urbanized environments. And with the great technological advancements that we live with today, maybe people are a little bit more jaded. Possibly. Uh, Liz says over here, I applaud his honesty. And one of the things I love about Judaism is that one is not vilified for questioning. So that's a good insight because that's what I love about this show. And that's what I love about my, my, my job as a rabbi is that we have the opportunity to ask questions. There's no question that is absolutely taboo. You can always ask. You should always ask questions. And people should always be respectful of those questions and give them the opportunity to to be heard and to have a meaningful conversation around those questions. Now, I'll tell you what's interesting about this, and, and nobody's picked up on this yet, maybe because it's a subtlety and maybe because it's just in my own head. But I actually like the fact that he says, I don't know. Not because it's a healthy place to be, to be in a space of doubt. Not because we're not supposed to have faith. But because, as a number of people have identified, it's quite an honest position. Not only honest from the point of view of saying, I don't know. Let's, let, let's talk about this for a moment. How many things can we say with absolute certainty that we do know? I mean, right now, everybody's been going on and on from the beginning of the week about this terrible heat wave that we're going to experience of Yan Gauteng. And it has been hot. No question about it. I don't have the stats. Maybe somebody else does. But it doesn't feel like it's dramatically hotter then it would normally be in summer. And everybody was talking about these temperatures upward of 35 degrees. And as far as I can tell, we haven't yet hit over 33 degrees. And that's not even in Joburg. That's further north. My point being, what, what do we really know? We, we assemble facts and we analyze information. And then based on the information that is at our disposal, we make conclusions but who knows how much other information may not be at our disposal. I mean, you remember, when was it? When was it we had the, the drought over here and all the water restrictions? Was it last summer or the summer before? I don't even remember anymore. And everybody said it was going to be the most terrible summer and the, the dams were going to drop to critical levels. And then there was that cyclone off the Mozambican coast that dumped who knows how much rain over the, the, uh, the high felt. And, and suddenly that, that issue was resolved. My point being, we only have the information that is at our disposal. and We don't have a fraction of the information that exists on any topic. 
So no matter how much advancement we have made in medicine, any person with an insight into medicine will tell you that there are still incredible amounts of unknowns that we haven't yet got a handle on. We know this. We've, we've basically eradicated things like polio from our society, and, and yet there are other diseases that we're only encountering now for the first time in the last few years or decades, depending on which particular illness it is, and, and we're scratching our heads. No different with science. I mean, I just saw an article today about this planet that they've recently discovered, I think literally in the last few days, orbiting around a quote-unquote nearby star. Well, that's always a little bit of an oxymoron. But anyhow, and it's this double the size of the Earth and it's considered to be a cold planet. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I suspect that it means that it's cooler than they anticipated. And I suppose we don't really know whether it is capable of sustaining life. A little bit like Mars, where everybody said for all those decades that Mars never had any traces of water. And then, oops, sorry, actually, we found that there might be. My point is, we don't have a fraction of the information that is available. So for any person to say that I know something with absolute certainty because of information that I have, we have to say, whoa, hang on a second. But how can you imagine that you have all information that's available? How can you imagine that you have all information that is relevant to the particular conversation. So I think it's the same thing with God. Now, faith, faith in Hashem, absolutely. That's very much part and parcel of who we are. In fact, the Talmud goes so far as to say that Jewish people are, it's in our DNA. We are ma'aminim b'nei ma'aminim. We have this faith that is drilled into the very core of our being, and it's kind of inescapable, which is part of the reason why Jews sometimes get frustrated. But I don't really care for this stuff, so why does it bother me so much? You know, why do I feel Jewish guilt if I, if I don't really subscribe to it? Well, it's because it kind of flows through our veins, this belief in God. Ma'aminim b'nei ma'aminim. And that's why it's an interesting thing that you will note if you take a look for argument's sake in the books of Maimonides where he speaks about the fundamental requirements that we have in terms of our observance. He does not say that there is a requirement to believe in God. He says that there is a requirement to know God. And that's based on a verse. The verse says, You should know today and set it in your heart that God is the God above and, and here on this earth. In other words, faith is, is a prerequisite. If you didn't have faith, you wouldn't open the book in the first place. If you didn't have faith, you wouldn't be exploring what the requirements of Jewish living or of the Torah are. So that's kind of taken for granted. Interestingly enough, the the imperative is to know God. Now, he has an interesting thought. If the Torah is telling us that we should know God, that kind of implies that it's not something we naturally know. In the same way as the Torah says, keep kosher. Well, it's not something that comes naturally to human beings. That's why only a fraction of the Jewish population, which is already a fraction of the human population, does it. Because it doesn't come naturally. It's not something a person would have thought of of their own accord. So when you're given an instruction, you're told that you have to work on something. Vidyodata, you should come to know. You should set it in your heart. Well, naturally, that implies that it's not something that a person automatically knows, nor is it something that is automatically set in their heart. So there's work to be done over here. For a person to be asked the question, say, do you know God, if they are unsure about it, that's, that's not a surprise. That's, that's not a bad thing. That doesn't imply necessarily that they're a bad person or that they've lost their way or that they have no faith. It's an honest response because what if a person had to ask you, do you know anything in life? I mean, other than maybe a mathematical formula where you can prove it empirically, do you know anything in life? Do you know for sure that the, the climate is getting warmer? Do you know for sure that this investment is going to give you returns? Do you know for sure that you are a healthy person? 
You don't know. Maybe the next time you go to the doctor, he's going to tell you, listen, here, you've got to cut down on this kind of food. You've got to exercise more, whatever the case is. And you felt fine. So to be in a position where a person says, I don't know, it's not a bad position to be in. It's probably the most honest place that we could ever be. Whereas a person who says, I know absolutely, often we should be a little bit wary of that position. How, how can you be so absolutely sure? Not The problem's not with God. The problem's not with the facts. The problem's not with information. The problem's with you. Not you personally, but you as a human being. The problem is that human beings don't know everything, can't know everything, will never know everything, actually will never come close. So for a human to say, I know, absolutely, you've got to be really careful with that. I'm not saying it can never happen, but... It's going to take a tremendous amount of work to get to that point where you can have that kind of confidence and mean it for real. So what would you think? What would you say if somebody asks, do you believe in God? And you hear somebody say, I don't know. Well, what do you think about that person and how would you respond in a similar situation? And Do you think it's possible that a person could ever know that God exists? Three, four, five, one, nine. Send an SMS and see what it is that you have to say. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. There's an interesting saying. There's an interesting saying. It applies to many things, but it's used in classic Jewish thinking with regards to knowing about God. And the saying goes like this. If I would know God, I would have to be God. Quite a profound thought. So let's just drill that down because it might be a little bit abstract. So think about this. Is there anybody at all who knows you? I mean, people know you. Obviously, they know who you are. They know your name. They might know certain of your achievements or your qualities. There are people who are closer to you. They know how you are wired. They, they know what makes you feel good. They know what things upset you. There are people who know how you think. That's even one ring closer to who you are. So they can predict. They, they know how you understand the world. They, very few people probably. But who knows you as you know you? That actually can't be. It's not really possible because the only way that you know yourself is not by some kind of external analysis. You know, it's not like you sat down and thought about yourself and then you worked yourself out and that's how you know yourself. It's in, it's inherent. It's intrinsic. It's from the inside. So you know yourself from the inside, and therefore the, nobody else can know you like you know you. They would have to be you to know you like you know you. Yes, I know that sounds a little bit convoluted and abstract, so let's just break it down. Nobody can know you. They can know about you. They can know how your mind works. You're not your mind because even if your mind, for whatever reason, was temporarily suspended, you would still be you. They're people who know your feelings. Your feelings are not you. Your feelings are experiences that you have. There's a you who feels those feelings. See where I'm going with this? So nobody can really know you like you know you. They can know about you. And if that's true of you, if that's true of the next person, whoever's sitting right next to you or across from you right now, that you're looking at them and thinking, hey, I've got this person worked out, and actually you don't, truth might well be that you only know a fraction of them based on the things you know about them. So if that's true of people, certainly has to be true of things that are not people, and certainly has to be true of God. So therefore we have the saying, If I would know God, I would have to be God. 
So for a person to be able to say, I know many deep thinkers within Judaism will say, hang on a second, how can you say such a thing? How can you propose such a thing? How can you propose that you know God? You would have to be God in order to know God. And that's why we also have a very intriguing insight in the mystical teachings, which says that the ultimate knowledge is to know that you cannot know. It's quite something. Very often people will tell you, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. It's a very ignorant and immature position when a person claims that they know. Children do that, right? Children speak in absolutes, black and white, and some people never outgrow it. When it's a child, it's nice, it's sweet, it's naive, suitable. When a person grows up into adulthood and they still speak in those absolute terms and everything's black and white and they know and I'm an, a, an expert, it becomes just the kind of thing that grates a little bit on the nerves. So, the ultimate knowledge is to know that you can not know. It's a fascinating principle in Jewish mysticism. And it's a principle that maybe you've never heard before, and maybe many people don't even know about or don't really think about, but somehow it resonates somewhere subconsciously inside of our minds, and that's where we come from the perspective and say, I don't know. I don't know. Don't know if I can answer this question. I don't know how to respond to do you believe in God because I don't know. Not because I don't believe. Not because God is lacking or is not compelling. It's because I don't know. Now, there's a bit of emphasis over here. Knowledge is an incredible asset. It's one of the things that makes humans great. It's one of the things that sets us apart from every other living being is the capacity for insight and depth and knowledge and wisdom and creativity and lateral thinking. Yet as powerful as knowledge is, it's not the ultimate. There are many things that minds are too limited to explain or even to understand. So, for example, you could, if you wanted to, you could sit down and give a whole rational explanation for why it is that parents love their children. It's a self-preservation thing because we need the species to continue. Okay, doesn't really feel not nearly as deep as the experience of actually loving your children. So let's not rob the depth of an experience by trying to fit it into a rational rubric. So that's why we say that the ultimate experience is, is, is technology and not everything can be known. Not everything should be known. When you want to talk about something as powerful as God, well, then knowing might not well be the right tool. I mentioned that earlier on that there's this quotation. I love this quotation. The person who says, I don't believe in God. And the rabbi responds and says, well, the God that you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. Basically, what he was saying is the kind of God that the human mind can wrap its head around is nothing great as a God. I mean, if the human mind and the human mind is amazing absolutely but it's still finite and it still knows only a fraction of a fraction of all the information that's out there so if it's the kind of God that the human mind can embrace and understand and rationalize I wouldn't want to believe in such a God that's kind of just a more sophisticated version of ancient paganism where it's the God that I can mold and put on my bookshelf and then uh, you know when I shake the God then the rains are going to fall or whatever the case might be that's that's not, a, that's not what we want to believe in. We don't want to believe in a God that can be known in the classic sense. And that's why I thought that this line from Stanley is so powerful because it implies 
inherently without necessarily even knowing that that's what he was saying. And I don't know because I didn't ask him the question, didn't get the feedback from him. But just reading the text where a person says, I just don't know, I think, yes, that's actually a, a pretty good and healthy and appropriate response. I don't know. And that doesn't limit who he is or that he is. It's an acknowledgement of the limitation of the human mind. It's an acknowledgement that not everything will be explainable. It's an acknowledgement that not everything can be known, and that's fine. It's one of the most humbling and, therefore, one of the most important things for a human being to experience that there are things that I don't know. I don't begin to know. I don't even scrape the first bit of the knowledge that is available on the subject. So it's not, it's not because not knowing is a bad thing. Because sometimes knowing is a limiting thing. Here's another WhatsApp says, I stand to be corrected during the time of Moses. Didn't the people ask him for a sign that God existed, of which Moses did, but a big portion of them still did not believe? So I don't think that's limited to Moses, by the way. I think there are quite a number of biblical stories where you see that repeat as a theme. And it's a very important insight because people are forever going on and on and on about if I would see the miracle, if I would see the revelation, then I would believe. Well, history proves otherwise. History proves that the greatest revelation that ever happened in the whole of history, which was the revelation of the divine at Mount Sinai, was followed very shortly afterwards by one of the worst debacles of Jewish history, namely the golden calf. We know that after the miracles that various people saw at various times, in biblical history, the time of open miracles, we know that people were idolaters. We know that people murdered other people. It doesn't work. It doesn't work just to have this flash of divine experience, and then your eyes will be opened and you'll see God. So, yes, very good point. Again, I don't know who the WhatsApp is from, but it, it's definitely on the money. And uh, here's, a, here's another one. The can't just let's just open this up there we go here's another whatsapp says in tehillim we say on friday night the wise man knows he knows nothing but the fool is taken by surprise when confronted by the reality of god or something he'd never yet been aware of great quotation great quotation right basically hits the nail on the head that when a person thinks they're smart, that's when they get this major surprise. Oops, hang on. There are certain things that you're not going to understand. You never will understand. And that's not a bad thing because sometimes it's healthy to step beyond the confines of the human experience. Your thoughts. What would you say when you heard, if you had heard Stan Lee saying, I don't know when he was asked, do you believe in God? Would you have had a different answer? Would you have had an insight into that answer? 34519 if you're going to send us an SMS. Otherwise, you can still WhatsApp. Um, you can still WhatsApp. I've now misplaced the WhatsApp number there. Oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. He may have flat feet. It's said he's a whiskey snob, and there are those in the fold who say he runs like a Shetland pony. We think it's just his choice of running song. Let's go. But when he opens his mouth to speak, everyone sits up to listen. Catch Howard Feldman, 6 to 9 a.m. daily on The Morning Mayhem. No safe space. Don't say we didn't warn you. 101.9 High FM. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM. 101.9 megahertz of power. 
I think it's such an interesting conversation. And, you know, it's often is the case. Once we start the ball rolling and people really get into it and start sending through insights, you suddenly see that there are various pathways where this conversation could go. Uh, that, that quotation from Tehillim reminds me of another quotation from Tehillim where King David says that I am like an animal and without understanding and I am close to God. Another implication is when, when a person acknowledges that they are without understanding, that's when they become close to God. So it's, it's incredibly important for us. It's incredibly important to acknowledge this fact that we don't know. We really don't know too much about anything. And therefore, if a person is in a position where they say, I don't know about God, it shouldn't be a question of doubt. It should be a question of, I don't know what that actually means. I don't know, you know what it is, so to speak, to relate to God um, because I'm a human and that has its limitations. There's, there's a twist in the tale that I want to leave you with. But just before that message here from Stephen who says, would one be able to understand things more clearly in the age of Moshiach? Absolutely. That's exactly what all the prophets tell us about the time of Moshiach is that the definitive difference between life as we know it and life in the Messianic age is that in the Messianic age, all the filters are removed and you get to see the truth with a capital T. In other words, you get to see things for what they are. As the prophet Isaiah says, your teacher, your master, basically a way to refer to God, will no longer be cloaked. So, yes, Stephen, exactly on the money. So he has the twist in the tail, though. He has the twist in the tail. One of the radical revolutionary perspectives of Hasidic teaching, Chabad Hasidus, is that you're not supposed to read that line I quoted you earlier in the way that I quoted it. You see, the way that I quoted it was, If I wanted to know God, I would have to be God, as if open-ended rhetorical statements never going to happen. And Hasidus says, well, actually, that's supposed to be read as a... Passive sentence, in other words, by virtue of the fact that I could, by virtue of the fact that I am one with God, I can actually come to know him. And that's the twist in the tail, something that uh, I suppose we'd have to flesh out in another conversation. But basically, that's the acknowledgement that the nature of our soul is not distinct from God. It's not that we're separate beings. Drill down deeply enough into the core of yourself, and you will find what we call literally a piece of God living within us. So yes, of course, as I said earlier, you know, nobody can know you because they're not you. And so nobody can know God using normal human faculties because normal, normal human faculties are way too limited to know anything. Actually, we can only know about things. We can only know fractions of things. Certainly not God. But then there's another technology that's available to us, and that's the technology of the essence. If you are the essence, then you inherently, intrinsically know it. Deep concept, and I know it's something that's probably going to leave you scratching your head just a little bit and probably also uh, thinking that we need to do another whole show on that. But sometimes it's good to leave people scratching their heads because, you know, it's always good to have something to think about. So there's a little bit more than food for thought. You might even get a little bit of indigestion on that one. But there's the thought. If you consider that the human mind can't know most things, and then you consider the only way you can truly know something is if you are it, and then you consider that our soul in its deepest form is one with God, then it is actually possible to know. How? That would be subject, for, I suppose, for another conversation. And just to satisfy Stephen, definitely will happen when Moshiach comes. But you can get a taste already now. Open up a book of Hasidus if you want to find a little bit more. There's 
the food for thought for this week. Till next time, have a wonderful Shabbos. Stay hydrated. Don't get heat stroke. It is hot out there. Look after yourself.